Chapter Sixteen of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. And avarice, so far from esteeming Pythagoras, who taught these things a necromancer or wizard, or rather revered and admired him as something divine. The tenants whom Mejnour had engaged for his strange abode were such as might suit a philosopher of few wants an old armenian whom glyndon recognized as in the mystic service at naples a tall hard-featured woman from the village recommended by maestro paolo and two long-haired smooth-spoken but fierce-visaged youth from the same place and honored by the same sponsorship constituted the establishment the rooms used by the sage were commodious and weatherproof with some remains of ancient splendor in the faded auras that clothed the walls and the huge tables of costly marble and elaborate carving glyndon's sleeping apartment communicated with a kind of belvedere or terrace that commanded prospects of unrivalled beauty and extent and was separated on the other side by a long gallery and a flight of ten or a dozen stairs from the private chambers of the mystic there was about the whole place a sombre and yet not displeasing depth of repose it suited well with the studies to which it was now to be appropriated for several days mejnour refused to confer with glyndon on the subjects nearest to his heart all without said he is prepared but not all within your own soul must grow accustomed to the spot and filled with the surrounding nature for nature is the source of all inspiration with these words mejnour turned to lighter topics he made the Englishman accompany him in long rambles through the wild scenes round, and he smiled approvingly when the young artist gave way to enthusiasm which fearful beauty could not have failed to rouse in a duller breast. And then Mejnour poured forth to his wandering pupil the stores of a knowledge that seemed inexhaustible and boundless. He gave accounts of the most curious graphic and minute of the various races by which that fair land had been successively overrun. It is true that his descriptions could not be found in books, and were unsupported by learned authorities, but he possessed the true charm of the tale-teller, and spoke of all with animated confidence of a personal witness. Sometimes, too, he would converse upon the more durable and loftier mysteries of nature with an eloquence and a research which invested them with all the colors rather of poetry than science insensibly the young artist found himself elevated and soothed by the lore of his companion the fever of his wild desires was slacked his mind became more and more lulled into the divine tranquillity of contemplation he felt himself a nobler being and in the silence of his senses he imagined that he heard the voice of his soul it was to this state that mejnour evidently sought to bring the neophyte and in this elementary initiation the mystic was like every more ordinary sage for he who seeks to discover must first reduce himself to a kind of abstract idealism and be rendered up in solemn and sweet bondage to the faculties which contemplate and imagine glyndon noticed that in the rambles mejnour often paused where the foliage was the rifest to gather some herb or flower and this reminded him that he had seen Zanoni similarly occupied. "'Can these humble children of nature,' he said one day to Mejnour, "'things that bloom and winter in a day, be serviceable to the science of the higher secrets? Is there a pharmacy for the soul as well as the body? 
and do the nurslings of the summer minister not only to human health but to spiritual immortality if answered Majnor, a stranger had visited a wandering tribe before one property of herbalism was known to them if he had told the savages that the herbs which every day they trampled under their foot were endowed with the most potent virtues that one would restore health to a brother on the verge of death that another would paralyze into idiocy their wisest sage that a third would strike lifeless to the dust their most stalwart champion that tears and laughter vigor and disease madness and reason wakefulness and sleep existence and dissolution were coiled up in those unregarded leaves would they have not held him a sorcerer or a liar to half the virtues of the vegetable world mankind are yet in the darkness of savages i have supposed there are faculties within us with which certain herbs have affinity and over which they have power the molly of the ancients is not all a fable the apparent character of Majnor differed in much from that of zanoni while it fascinated glyndon less it subdued and impressed him more the conversation of zanoni evinced a deep and general interest for mankind a feeling approaching to enthusiasm for art and beauty the stories circulated concerning his habits elevated the mystery of his life by actions of charity and beneficence and in all this there was something genial and humane that softened the awe he created and tended perhaps to raise suspicions as to the loftier secrets that he arrogated to himself but Majnor seemed wholly indifferent to the actual world if he committed no evil he seemed equally apathetic to good his deeds relieved no want his words pitied no distress what we call the heart appeared to have merged into the intellect he moved thought and lived like some regular and calm abstraction rather than one who yet retained with the form the feeling and sympathies of his kind glyndon once observing the tone of supreme indifference in with which he spoke on those changes on the face of the earth which he asserted he had witnessed ventured to remark to him the distinction he had noted it is true said Mejnour coldly my life is the life that contemplates a zanoni's is the life that enjoys when i gather the herb i think of its uses zanoni will pause to admire its beauties and you deem your own the superior and the loftier existence no his existence of youth mine of age we have cultivated different faculties each has powers the other cannot aspire to those with whom he associates live better those who associate with me no more i have heard in truth said glyndon that his companions at naples were observed to lead purer and nobler lives after intercourse with zanoni yet were they not strange companions at the best for a sage this terrible power too that he exercises at will as in the death of prince di and that of count ugelli scarcely becomes the tranquil seeker after good true said Mejnour with an icy smile such must ever be the error of those philosophers who meddle with the active life of mankind you cannot serve some without injuring others you cannot protect the good without wearing on the bad and if you desire to reform the faulty why you must lower yourself to live with the faulty to know their faults even so saith parcelus a great man and often wrong not mine this folly i live but in knowledge i have no life in mankind 
another time glyndon questioned the mystic as to the nature of that union or fraternity to which zanoni had once referred i am right i suppose said he in conjecturing that you and himself profess to be the brothers of the rosy cross do you imagine answered mejnour that there were no mystic and solemn unions of men seeking the same end through the same means before the arabians of damas in thirteen seventy eight taught to a wandering german the secrets which founded the institution of the rosicrucians i allow however that the rosicrucians formed a sect descended from the greater and earlier school they were wiser than the alchemists their masters are wiser than they and of this early and primary order how many still exist zanoni and myself what two only and you profess the power to teach all the secrets the bountiful death your ancestor attained that secret he died rather than survive the only thing he loved we have my pupil no arts by which we can put death out of our option or out of the will of heaven these walls may crush me as i stand all that we profess to do is but this to find out the secrets of the human frame to know why the parts ossify and the blood stagnates and to apply continual preventatives to the effects of time this is not magic it is the art of medicine rightly understood in our order we hold the most noble first uh, that knowledge which elevates the intellect second that which preserves the body but the mere art which recruits the animal vigor and arrests the progress of decay or that more noble secret which i will only hint to thee at present by which heat or caloric as we call it being as heraclitus wisely taught the primordial principle of life can be made its perpetual renovator these i say would not suffice for safety it is ours also to disarm and elude the wrath of men to turn the swords of our foes against each other to glide invisible eyes over which we can throw a mist and darkness and this some seers have professed to be the virtue of a stone of agate abaris placed it in his arrow i will find you an herb in yon valley that will give you a surer charm than the gate and the arrow in one word know this that the humblest and the meanest products of nature are those from which the sublimest properties are to be drawn but said glyndon if possessed of these great secrets why so churlish in withholding their diffusion does not the false or charlatanic science differ in this form from the true and indisputable that the last communicates to the world the process by which it attains its discoveries the first boasts of marvellous results and refuses to explain the causes well said o logician of the schools but think again suppose we were to impart all our knowledge to all mankind indiscriminately alike to the vicious and the virtuous should we be benefactors or scourges imagine the tyrant the sensualist the evil and corrupted being possessed of these tremendous powers would he not be a demon let loose on the earth grant that the same privilege be accorded also to the good and in what state would be society engaged in a titan war the good forever on the defensive the bad forever in assault in the present condition of the earth evil is a more active principle than good and the evil would prevail it is for these reasons that we are not only solemnly bound to administer our lore only to those who will not misuse and pervert it but that we place our ordeal in tests that purify the passions and elevate the desires 
and the nature in this controls and assists us for it places the awful guardians and insurmountable barriers between the ambition of vice and the heaven of the loftier science such made a small part of the numerous conversations mejnour held with his pupil conversations that while they appeared to address themselves to the reason inflamed yet more the fancy it was the very disclaiming of all powers which nature properly investigated did not suffice to create that gave an air of probability to those which mejnour asserted nature might bestow thus days and weeks rolled on and the mind of glyndon gradually fitted to this sequestered and musing life forgot at last the vanities and chimeras of the world without one evening he had lingered alone and laid upon the ramparts watching the stars as one by one they broke upon the twilight never had he felt so sensibly the mighty power of the heavens and the earth upon man how much the springs of our internal being are moved and acted upon by the solemn influences of nature as a patient on whom slowly and by degrees the agencies of mesmerism are brought to bear he acknowledges to his heart the growing force of that vast and universal magnetism which is the life of creation and binds the atom to the whole a strange and ineffable consciousness of power of the something great within the perishable clay appealed to the feelings at once dim and glorious like the faint recognitions of a holier and former being an impulse that he could not resist led him to seek the mystic he would demand that hour his initiation into the worlds beyond our world he was prepared to breathe the diviner air he entered the castle and strode the shadowy and starlit gallery which conducted to mejnour's apartment the rooms that mejnour occupied consisted of two chambers communicating with each other and a third in which he slept all these rooms were placed in the huge square tower that beetled over the dark and brush-grown precipice the first chamber which glyndon entered was empty with a noiseless step he passed on and opened the door that admitted into the inner one he drew back at the threshold overpowered by a strong fragrance which filled the chamber a kind of mist thickened the air rather than obscured it for its vapour was not dark but resembled a snow-cloud moving slowly and in heavy undulations wave upon wave regularly over the space a mortal cold struck to the englishman's heart and his blood froze he stood rooted to the spot and his eyes strained involuntarily through the vapour he fancied that he saw dim spectre-like but gigantic forms floating through the mist or was it not rather the mist itself that had formed its vapours fantastically into these moving impalpable and bodiless apparitions a great painter of antiquity it is said in a picture of hades to have represented the monsters that glide through the ghostly river of the dead so artfully that the eye perceived at once that the river itself was but a spectre and the bloodless things that tended it had no life their forms blending with the dead waters till as the eye continued to gaze it ceased to discern them from the preternatural element they were supposed to inhabit such were the moving outlines that coiled and floated through the mist but before glendon had even drawn breath in this atmosphere his life itself seemed arrested or changed into kind of a horrid trance he felt his hand seized and he was led from that room into the outer one he heard the door close his blood rushed again through his veins and he saw mejnour by his side 
Strong convulsions then suddenly seized his whole frame, and he fell to the ground insensible. When he recovered, he found himself in the open air in a rude balcony of stone that jutted from the chamber, the stars shining serenely over the dark abyss below, and resting calmly upon the face of the mystic, who stood beside him with folded arms. "'Young man,' said Mejnour, "'judge by what you have just felt, how dangerous it is to seek knowledge until prepared to receive it. Another moment in the air of that chamber, and you had been a corpse. Then of what nature was the knowledge that you, once more like myself, could safely have sought in that icy atmosphere, which it was death for me to breathe, Mejnour, continued Glyndon, and his wild desire, sharpened by the very danger he had passed, once more animated and nerved him. I am prepared at least for the first steps. I come to you as an old pupil to the Hierophant, and demand the initiation. Mejnour passed his hand over the young man's heart. It beat loud, regularly, and boldly. He looked at him with something almost like admiration in his passionless and frigid features, and muttered half to himself, Surely, in so much courage the true disciple is found at last. Then speaking aloud, he added, Be it so. Man's first initiation is in trance. In dreams commences all human knowledge. In dream hovers over measureless space, the first faint bridge between spirit and spirit this world and the worlds beyond look steadfastly on yonder star glyndon obeyed and mejnour retired into the chamber from which there then slowly emerged a vapour somewhat paler and of fainter odour than that which had nearly produced so fatal an effect on his frame this on the contrary as it coiled around him and then melted in thin spires into the air breathed the refreshing and healthful fragrance he kept his eyes on the star, and the star seemed gradually to fix and command his gaze. A sort of languor next seized his frame, but without, as he thought, communicating itself to the mind, and as this crept over him, he felt his temple sprinkled with some volatile and fiery essence. At the same moment a slight tremor shook his limbs and thrilled through his veins. The languor increased, still he kept his gaze upon the star and now its luminous circumference seemed to expand and dilate. It became gradually softer and clearer in its light. Spreading wider and broader, it diffused all space. All space seemed swallowed up in it. And at last, in the midst of a silver-shining atmosphere, he felt as if something burst within his brain, as if a strong chain were broken, and at that moment a sense of heavenly liberty, of unutterable delight, of freedom from the body, of bird-like lightness, seemed to float him into space itself. Whom, now upon earth, dost thou wish to see? whispered the voice of Mejnour. Viola and Zanoni, answered Glyndon, in his heart, but he felt that his lips moved not. Suddenly, at that thought, through this space, in which nothing save one mellow translucent light had been discernible, a swift succession of shadowy landscapes seemed to roll. Trees, mountains, cities, seas, glided along like the changes of a phantasmagoria, and at last settled and stationary, he saw a cave by the gradual marge of an ocean shore, myrtles and orange trees clothing the gentle banks. On a height, at a distance, gleamed the white but shattered relics of some ruined heathen edifice. 
and the moon in calm splendor shining over all literally bathed with its light two forms without the cave at whose feet the blue waters crept and he thought that he even heard a murmur he recognized both the figures zanoni was seated on a fragment of stone viola half reclining by his side was looking into his face which was bent down to her and in her countenance was the expression of that perfect happiness which belongs to perfect love wouldst thou hear them speak whispered mejnour and again without sound glyndon inly answered yes their voices then came to his ear but in tones that seemed to him strange so subdued were they and sounding as it were so far off that they were as voices heard in the visions of some holier men from a distant sphere and how is it said viola that thou canst find pleasure in listening to the ignorant because the heart is never ignorant because the mysteries of the feelings are as full of wonder as those of the intellect if at times thou canst not comprehend the language of my thoughts at times also i hear sweet enigmas in that of thy emotions ah say not so said viola winding her arm tenderly around his neck and under that heavenly light her face seemed lovelier for its blushes for the enigmas are but love's common language and love should solve them till i knew thee till i lived with thee till i learned to watch for thy footstep when absent yet even in absence to see thee everywhere i dream not how strong and all-pervading is the connection between nature and the human soul and yet she continued i am now assured of what i at first believed that the feelings which attracted me towards thee at first were not those of love i know that by comparing the present with the past it was a sentiment then wholly of the mind or the spirit I could not hear thee now say, Viola, be happy with another, and I could not now tell thee so. Ah, Viola, never be weary of assuring me that thou art happy. Happy while thou art so, yet at times, Zanoni, thou art so sad. Because human life is so short, because we must part at last, because yon moon shines on when the nightingale sings it no more. A little while, and thine eyes will go dim and thy beauty haggard and these locks that i toy with now will be gray and loveless and thou cruel one said viola touchingly i shall never see the signs of age in thee but shall we not grow old together and our eyes be accustomed to a change which the heart shall not share zanoni sighed he turned away and seemed to commune with himself glyndon's attention grew yet more earnest but were it so muttered zanoni and then looking steadfastly at viola he said with a half a smile hast thou no curiosity to learn more of the lover thou once couldst believe the agent of the evil one none all that one wishes to know of the beloved one i know that thou lovest me i have told thee that my life is apart from others wouldst thou not seek to share it i share it now but were it possible to be thus young and fair forever till the world blazes round us as one funeral pry we shall be so when we leave the world zanoni was mute for some moments and at length he said 
canst thou recall those brilliant and aerial dreams which visited thee when thou didst fancy that thou wert preordained to some fate aloof and afar from the common children of the earth zanoni the fate is found thou hast thou no terror of the future the future i forget it time past and present and to come reposes in thy smile ah zanoni play not with the foolish credulities of my youth i have been better and humbler since thy present has dispelled the mist of the air the future well when i have some cause to dread it i will look up to heaven and remember who guides our fate as she lifted her eyes above the dark cloud swept suddenly over the scene it wrapped the orange trees the azure ocean the dense sands but still the last images that it veiled from the charmed eyes of glyndon were the forms of viola and zanoni the face of the one rapt serene and radiant the face of the other dark thoughtful and locked in a more than its usual rigidness of melancholy beauty and profound repose rouse thyself said mejnour thy ordeal has commenced there are pretenders to the solemn science who could have shown thee the absent and prated to thee in their charlonic jargon of the secret electricities and the magnetic fluid of those true properties they know but the germs and elements i will lend thee the books of those glorious dupes and thou wilt find in the dark ages how many erring steps have stumbled upon the threshold of the mighty learning and fancied they had pierced the temple hermes and albert and parcelus i knew ye all but noble as ye were ye were fated to be deceived ye had not the souls of faith and the daring fitted for the destinies at which ye aimed yet parcelus modest parcelus and arrogance at soared higher than all our knowledge he thought he could make a race of men from chemistry he arrogated himself the divine gift the breath of life he would have made men and after all confessed that they could be but pygmies my art is to make men above mankind but you are impatient of my digression forgive me all these men were intimate friends of mine but they are dead and rotten they talked of spirits but they dreaded to be in other company than that of men like orators whom i have heard when i stood by the sphinx of athens blazing with words like comets in the assembly and extinguishing their adore like holiday rockets when they were in the field ho ho demosthenes my hero coward how nimble were thy heels at charionia and thou art impatient still boy i could tell thee such truths of the past as would make thee the luminary of schools but thou lustest only for the shadows of the future thou shalt have thy wish but the mind must first be exercised and trained go to thy room and sleep fast austerely read no books meditate imagine dream bewilder thyself if thou wilt thought shapes out of its own chaos at last before midnight seek me again it is fit that we who endeavour to rise to an elevation so sublime should study first to leave behind carnal affections the frailty of the senses the passions that belong to matter secondly to learn by what means we may ascend to the climax of pure intellect united with the powers above without which never can we gain the lore of secret things nor the magic that affects true wonders it wanted still many minutes of midnight and glyndon was at once more in the apartment of the mystic 
he had rigidly observed the fast ordained to him and in the rapt and intense reveries into which his excited fancy had plunged him he was not only insensible to the wants of the flesh he felt above them mejnour seated beside his disciple thus addressed him man is arrogant in proportion to his ignorance man's natural tendency is to egotism man in his infancy of knowledge thinks that all creation was formed for him for several ages he saw in the countless worlds that sparkle through space like the bubbles of a shoreless ocean only the petty candles the household torches that providence which had been pleased to light for no other purpose but to make the night more agreeable to man astronomy has corrected this delusion of human vanity and man now reluctantly confesses that the stars are worlds larger and more glorious than his own that the earth on which he crawls is a scarce visible speck in the vast chart of creation but in the small as in the vast god is equally profuse of life the traveller looks upon the tree and fancies its boughs were formed for his shelter in the summer sun or his fuel in the winter frosts but in each leaf of these boughs the creator has made a world it swarms with innumerable races each drop of the water in yon moat is an orb more populous than a kingdom is of men everywhere then in this immense design science brings new life to light life is the one pervading principle and even the thing that seems to die and putrefy but engenders new life and changes to fresh forms of matter reasoning then by evident analogy if not a leaf if not a drop of water but is no less than yonder star a habitable and breathing world nay even if man himself is a world to other lives and myriads dwell in the rivers of his blood and inhabit man's frame as man inhabits earth common sense would suffice to teach that the circumfluent infinite which you call space the countless impalpable which divides the earth from the moon and the stars filled also with its correspondent and appropriate life is it not a visible absurdity to suppose that a being is crowded upon every leaf and yet absent from the immensities of space the law of the great system forbids the waste even of an atom it knows no spot where something of life does not breathe in the very carnal house is the nursery of production and animation is that true well then can you conceive that space which is the infinite itself is alone a waste is alone lifeless is less useful to the one design of universal being than the dead carcass of a dog than the peopled leaf than the swimming globule the microscope shows you the creatures on the leaf no mechanical tube is yet invented to discover the nobler and more gifted things that hover in the illimitable air yet between these last and the man is a mysterious and terrible affinity and hence by tales and legends not wholly false nor wholly true have arisen from time to time beliefs in apparitions and spectres if more common to the earlier and simpler tribes than to the men of your duller age it is but that with the first the senses are more keen and quick and as the savage can see or scent miles away the traces of a foe invisible to the gross sense of the civilized animal so the barrier itself between him and the creatures of the airy world is less thickened and obscured do you listen with my soul 
but first to penetrate this barrier the soul with which you listen must be sharpened by intense enthusiasm purified from all earthlier desires not without reason have the soul-styled magicians in all lands and times insisted on chastity and abstemious reverie as the communications of inspiration when thus prepared science can be brought to aid it and the sight itself may be rendered more subtle the nerves more acute the spirit more alive and outward and the element itself the air the space be made by certain secrets of the higher chemistry more palpable and clear and this too is not magic as the credulous call it as i have so often said before magic exists not it is but the science by which nature can be controlled now in space there are millions of beings not literally spiritual for they have all like the animaliculae unseen by the naked eye certain forms of matter though matter so delicate air drawn and subtle that it is as it were but a film of gossamer that clothes the spirit hence the rosicrucians love of phantoms of sylph and gnome yet in truth these races and tribes differ more widely each from each than the kalmuk from the greek differ in attributes and powers the drop of water you see how the animaliculi vary how vast and terrible are some of those monster mites as compared with others equally so with the inhabitants of the atmosphere some of the surpassing wisdom some of the horrible malignity some hostile as fiends to men others gentle as messengers between earth and heaven he who would establish intercourse with these varying beings resembles the traveller who would penetrate into unknown lands he is exposed to strange dangers and unconjectured terrors that intercourse once gained i cannot secure thee from the chances to which thy journey is exposed i cannot direct thee to paths free from the wanderings of the deadliest foes thou must alone and of thyself face and hazard all but if thou art so enamoured of life as to care only to live on no matter for what ends recruiting the nerves and veins with the alchemist's vivifying elixir why seek these dangers from the intermediate tribes because the very elixir that pours a more glorious life into the frame so sharpens the senses that those larvae of the air become to thee audible and apparent so that unless trained by degrees to endure the phantoms and subdue their malice a life thus gifted would be the most awful doom man could bring upon himself hence it is that though the elixir be compounded of the simplest herbs his frame is only prepared to receive it who has gone through the subtlest trials nay some scared and daunted into the most intolerable horror by the sights that burst upon their eyes at the first draught have found the potion less powerful to save than the agony of travail of nature to destroy to them prepared the elixir is thus but the deadliest poison amidst the dwellers of the threshold is one two surpassing in malignity and hatred all her tribe one whose eyes have paralyzed the bravest and whose power increases over the spirit precisely in proportion to its fear does thy courage falter nay thy words but kindle it follow me then and submit to the initiatory labors with that mejnour led him to the interior chamber and proceeded to explain to him certain chemical operations which though extremely simple in themselves 
glyndon soon perceived were capable of very extraordinary results in the remoter times said Maginor, smiling our brotherhood were often compelled to recur delusions to protect realities and as dexterous mechanicians or expert chemists they obtained the name of sorcerers observe how easy to construct is the spectre lion that attended the renowned leonardo da vinci and glyndon beheld with delighted surprise the simple means by which the wildest cheats of the imagination can be formed the magical landscapes in which baptista porta rejoiced the apparent change of the seasons with which albertus magnus startled the earl of holland nay even those more dread delusions of the ghost and image with which the necromancers of heraclea woke the conscience of the conqueror of plataea as the showman enchants some trembling children on a christmas eve with his lantern phantasmagoria Maginor exhibited to his pupil and now laugh forever at magic when these the very tricks the very sports and frivolities of science were the very acts which men viewed with abhorrence and inquisitors and kings rewarded with the rack and the stake but the alchemist's transmutation of metals nature herself is a laboratory in which metals and all elements are forever at change easy to make gold easier more commodious and cheaper still to make the pearl the diamond and the ruby oh yes wise men found sorcery in this too but they found no sorcery in the discovery that by the simplest combination of things of everyday use they could raise a devil that would sweep away thousands of their kind by the breath of consuming fire discover what will destroy life and you are a great man what will prolong it and you are an impostor discover some invention in machinery that will make the rich more rich and the poorer more poor and they will build you a statue discover some mystery in art that will equalize physical disparities and they will pull down their houses to stone you ha my pupil such is the world zanoni still cares for you and i will leave this world to itself and now that you have seen some of the few effects of science begin to learn its grammar Mejnour then set before his pupil certain tasks in which the rest of the night wore itself away. End of chapter 16 Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah, voiceover-solutions.com